Welcome to 8 Bittersweet, the fan entertainment video game podcast. And today we are going to be reviewing the final PlayStation 4 exclusive. That's Sucker Punch Studios's Studios's. I don't know if that's right. Ghost of Tsushima. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Aaron. So we're trying to keep this quite timely, although I do realize a lot of people have already sped through this game. Um, but that is not the approach that either of us wanted to take. Nope. So we will say now, neither of us have completed the game. But we have played quite a bit of it, and I think now we can talk about, uh, certainly discuss the mechanics, the story, as much as we've seen. Um, so the moment, the moment, well, yeah, moment to moment gameplay, the visuals, the layout, etc., etc., etc. We've got more than a good enough opinion for a review. Um, so we'll start with you, Darren. On the whole, preparation age feels good. No, <laughs> I knew you could resist that joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotta love a good Austin Powers reference. So, what did you think, generally speaking? Um, I think it's it's good. I don't think anyone's here disputing that. Um. It doesn't really feel like... Because like, when the PS3 uh, went out, it went out on The Last of Us, which really was like, you know, a very heavily lauded game. It felt like, you know, the peak of that style of game on that console generation. And it was a very good way to, to kind of move on to the next phase. Now, I know Last of Us 2 kind of almost was that as well. Had there been some swapping round of the dates, it might have been that, but no, it's Ghost of Shima. I feel like it's a... It's a good game that ref- it uses a lot of good um, gameplay innovations that were kind of really dif- um, kind of perfected on the PS4, but I don't feel like it does anything particularly special enough to kind of warrant it. It, it doesn't hold the same esteem as kind of The Last of Us, as the last, last great hurrah of the PS4. What it does, it does well for the most part. It's just, it it lacks a little special something that I think would kind of put it amongst, like, PlayStation's elite-level franchises. I I kind of get where you're coming from, but Mm. I feel like my own biases will kind of elevate this above what you think of the game. Right. Because I'm really having fun with it. I really, really enjoy it. But it is, it's a, you know, it's an open-world sort of, like, it's not Sengoku period. It's based in the first Mongol invasion of Japan. Um, so there's there's that. It's, it's kind of a little bit before the time in Japanese history that I'm actually a big buff on, so mm. to speak. But it, it's got all of the elements that I would have wanted in a game like this. It's got the, the ninja-esque stealth and the samurai-esque uh, sword combat. And, yeah. and those two married up really do create kind of a more fluid gameplay style for me so i'm i'm really really loving it like you say i don't think it's 100 percent. this is not spider-man ps4 and for you i assume this is not god of war no what it is for me though i, I would put this i would probably put this in the top five playstation 4 uh, exclusives uh, i'm not sure where probably probably thinking about it, it would be close to four or five um, because I would probably put Spider-Man PS4 and Bloodborne at the very least above this. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this this uh, this really tickles me. Uh, I, I enjoy this. This is the thing I wanted. It's like, would you like a fucking samurai game? Like, absolutely I would. Would you like it made by the people who did the infamous games, all of which you love, even though the third one is inferior? Yes, I would. <laughs> I, I got what I wanted. 
I don't right. know whether that's going to be the same for everybody, but I certainly I knew what I was expecting and it absolutely met my expectations. See, I, I, I think it met my expectations and I think it's just it's it's a consolidation of a lot of things that other games innovated and putting it all in the same pot and kind of just making it as good as it can be. But it doesn't feel like... like I think the best comparison I can give in terms of an original IP that was launched on the PS4, you look what Horizon did, which you know, isn't too dissimilar to this. It's a third-person action RPG. But uh, it's... And I know this has kind of had some shackles on it because you know it is based on true events to some extent. Um, I feel like there, so much was brought in Horizon Zero Dawn, even though there is clearly still room for improvement, which we hope the sequel will do on PS5. There was so much new stuff brought there and just so many new innovative ways of kind of dealing with the challenges of that game that I just think this game doesn't have. It's it's nothing that I haven't played in the kind of pre-Origins Assassin's Creed before. Uh, with some change, I think this handles action better than those games does, but I don't think it handles stealth anywhere near as good as those games do. And I mean, that that's kind of... It's it's going to be the easiest comparison to Assassin's Creed games because it's obvious that they took some inspiration from that. But maybe thought, well, we can do a better job of the kind of... the visual storytelling, uh, storytelling in general, doing the Japanese game for some reason Ubisoft seem reluctant to do, which is a bit of an instead thought, we'll go with those stealthy bastard, the Vikings. Um... <laughs> But there we go. Yeah, I think I'm about to give it a lot of praise, but it's it's all tempered by the fact of like I've seen this all before. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having something you've seen before if it no. does it better than most or better than all the things. Yeah. So, so stealth, yes, it does fall down a little bit. There is a specific mission I played last night uh, towards the end of the second act. And by that point, you're really tooled up with your ghost weaponry. So you've got a lot of uh, misdirection and distraction tools at your disposal. And then none of them will work, which seems a little bit... like the, the game in this one instance has this really specific way it wants you to do this mission. And the game has given you so much freedom before this. I feel like every single... Okay, I put it this way. I was excited to go to enemy camps in this game. Whenever I saw Mongol territory f flash upon the screen, I'm like, this is going to be fucking good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to enjoy the next 10 to 15 minutes of this game because I'm just going to be strategizing my way from one side of this village to the other, dispatching people as I go. And when it removes that freedom to have a narrative point, it does feel a little bit undone. It doesn't feel completely of the story like if, if i was really trying to role play as jin sakai the ghost of Tsushima, i would have wouldn't have done it the way the story would have wanted me to do but those problems are few and far between yeah it does kind of give you the scope to be either you know the full front of the salt samurai or the ghost of Tsushima and kind of go around sneakily um i i have found myself favoring the all-out assault approach whenever given that option unless i am literally you know told you have to stealth this there's hostages to save or you, you can't you know get caught because otherwise they'll kill somebody etc i will always just ride up to the front gates shout let's dance dickheads and then just start 
playing my way through because the sword play I think is by far and away the strongest part of this game. I think the stance mechanic is a is a probably the most innovative thing they have added to this game. I mean, it's probably been done elsewhere, but this is my first kind of time dealing with it. And you know the fact that you can change it so quickly on the fly and it's not a faff to do. And whichever stance you need to use is almost readily like obvious to you which one you need to switch to. And you'll find yourself switching between right, I need the shield ones because they're trying to press me at the moment. But over there's the big guys. So when I run at him, I'm going to have to do that. I mean, archers you can just kill with like a breath of wind, really. They don't really stand up to anything. That's the first thing I always do. Whenever I'm in combat, I will just sprint directly towards whichever archer is pissing me off. And take them out first. And then <laughs> deal with the more fun bits so I'm not getting pinged every 10 seconds. That's really good. That that minute-to-minute minute primary game loop when you're in the combat engine is by far and away the standout for me, I think, of this game. You're absolutely right. That that loop is phenomenal. There is a ramp-up in the game that leads to that point, though, because the game, what I appreciate and also kind of really don't like about the opening hours of the game, sort of like the first two to three hours, mm. is it doesn't fuck about and it doesn't gradually bring in certain enemies. If you want to... St- I tried to storm a dojo as the very first thing I did after the title card. Mm. And I got my shit rocked because I wasn't ready for Brutes. I wasn't ready for Spearman. I wasn't ready for Shieldman. I couldn't do dick. The only thing I had was the stone stance, and that was it. So so it, the, the world feels like it is in the state it's supposed to be. It doesn't evolve for the sake of narrative progression. But then also then... I. I so by the time you've got to that ramped up stage where you've got all four stances and you can dance back and forth, swapping between the stances, using different attacks and different chain ta- attacks as well. I, and I wish we got there sooner. I know that there's supposed to be something in the story about you becoming a more accomplished warrior and you evolving your tactics away from the kind of rigid samurai code. And I really get what they were trying to do. But when the first two to three hours of your game isn't as fun, you have the massive potential of losing a potentially huge audience. And, I, and I'm glad I toughed it through because once you get the other side of that, once you've done, say, like the first three or four story missions, a couple of side missions, and you've got a couple of abilities unlocked, the game fucking shoots to life. It's mm-hmm. so good after that. But those opening hours are a bit of a fucking slog, it must be said. It can take a little while to get going, admittedly. But I feel like the rate of progression is pretty... In terms of your RPG elements, I think the rate of progression is pretty forgiving. It's it's aping a little bit of Breath of the Wild. that You can just go where you want. And if you're skilled enough, you will be able to get through it. But you can make life easier on yourself by kind of following the path the game is trying to point you down gaining more experience, buying better stances, buying better this, that, and the other. And, you know, those tasks become generally easier. And they don't do it by having, um, you know, in Breath of the Wild, you may run into an area where it's like, right, based on the colour of every, uh, all the moblin skin, I know that they are a lot more powerful than I am, and they're going to absolutely annihilate me. That doesn't happen here. What I've found is that the higher in level you get, the more advanced tactics can come in. So... You know, initially you have just the archers kind of pinging at you. You'll have the occasional spearmen, but that's about it. Later on, there's more people with javelins. There's more brutes. The brutes have also got shields. The archers will fire more than one arrow in one go. They'll throw uh, flashbangs at you. 
Uh, I've just encountered the eagle for the first time, where the Mongols are used like eagles to kind of scan the sky. So if you're trying to stealth your way over rooftops, they can spot you and kind of alert people to your presence. There's a nice ramping up that I feel that is re- so far for me at least has been very, you know, very well gauged. I'm never feeling like this is getting unfair because it hasn't given me the right tools to kind to unlock this job. Yeah, it's very fair, and 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 I do appreciate that. There's always something new being added that you go, right, I'm going to need to unlock something to deal with that, therefore pushing you down that progression even further. Um, and and all of that does work. I just feel like, and certainly the fucking scope of this world, mm. like it's based on the real life Isles of Tsushima. And this is kind of like, I'm not going to say too big, but it feels suitably large that all of these places would be so far spaced out and you would have to travel but it's an actual joy to go through that world mm-hmm. that being said i did find myself using the fast travel a lot and jesus christ that is quick ridiculous right the performance on this game is unfucking real i i re- if if we're going to get better loading times than this on the ps5 mm. that sold the system for me yeah like uh, uh, we both have like we don't have pros we have normal ps4s and it is apparently to the point where on ps4 pro they had to artificially extend the load times because they were so fast no one could read the tips which is ridiculous i imagine there's some ps4 pro people you know the type that care about ray tracing and graphic fidelity that are very angry about that fact but nonetheless it is yeah ridiculous and considering like it's not a plain and simple game it is chucking a lot at you. There's a lot of particle effects going on. There's a lot of like really big open areas that have just like really stunning graphics going on the whole time. And yet, yeah, load times are ridiculously quick. And I don't know how you do that with the same piece of hardware that's been around for, what, five, six years at this point? Probably longer than that. Oh, I think it'd be close to seven by this point. Right, and that's the same piece of hardware, and you're getting this level of performance out of it, literally as it's in the death throes, is ridiculous. Yeah, the the graphics on this are ridiculous, and and I like how they've kind of used. This is something I do like is how they've used. They they knew how beautiful this game was, and they're more interested in visual cues than they are kind of gamification of things. So yeah. instead of just having that kind of you know when you're on GTA and it illuminates a street you need to drive down or, or anything like that. It uses the wind to point you in the right direction. If you spot a golden bird anywhere, if you follow that golden bird, it will take you to something that you can use to improve your stats and you know, get stronger. It's really well done in that cinematic style. Yeah, the the, the fact that the hood is completely non-intrusive as well. You've got a red line and a couple of circles in the bottom left-hand corner, and that is it. And the art direction on this game is so fucking good. I'm glad that that was a decision. The game doesn't overwhelm you with icons or a compass or a mini-map or any of that because it doesn't need it. Because the world is so well-designed, both artistically and in terms of level design, you can just wander around and find things to do. It's not Breath of the Wild levels of that, where the wandering around is the game, so Mm -hmm. to speak. But it's fucking gorgeous to look at when something looks that good you want to have the freedom to explore every inch of it and this game gives you that from say i think it takes about 45 minutes to get to the title card doesn't it you've got a couple of 
baked in story missions you've got to do and then you're kind of let loose in the world which would explain why i tried to you know overtake one of the strongest strongholds on the first island yeah, straight not, away yeah. and got my ship pushed in not your smartest idea um it really wasn't yeah it's it's really good i think platforming in general and traversal is okay it's fine i think it, it suffers in comparison to again we had the best traversal engine ever made for breath of the wild it's it's also I, I still feel sometimes i'm playing this kind of similar to how i played assassin's creed uh odyssey which had a great pair of if you, you know you can do the jump off things that are quite high but as long as you roll when you hit the floor as long as the fall isn't too big you will not lose any health on yeah. odyssey you can literally jump off anything and as long as you time the roll fine no matter how high you were you will be fine Jin Sakai is not that uh, battle hardy. Um, I, I no. found myself jumping <laughs> off heights that I feel like were reasonable, and it didn't matter if I roll, I was going to instantly die anyway. And that, that frustration has hit a few times. Um, but again, it, I, if going for realism, it couldn't really do that anyway. Um, I think it gives you some ample opportunity to kind of explore you know, the scenery and the, some of the side quests it has. Um, so the fox dens, for example, which are, you know you literally find a fox and chase after it to come and um, improve the charms you can equip to yourself. Uh, that was pretty fun. Um, you can do haikus. Mine never seem good. <laughs> Mine sound like the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> yeah, but if you're if you're role playing Jinsekai as a bit of a fucking weirdo anyway, it all becomes a bit congruous, which is good. That's a good point. Um, that, that's kind of only like. Side mission variety in general is a little stunted just because it hasn't given because of that rigid realism it hasn't given itself all that more to do other than there's more enemies or you need to sneak around this one so i think a little bit it's 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 passable i'd say it's just past the line of passable in terms of mission variety um but i would like to see a bit more added to any given sequel in terms of things that Jin Sakai can do to kind of pass the time because as much as fun it is to ride up to the Mongol territories shout let's stand stickhead and fight everybody it's um that, that can only happen so many times you know what I mean I'd like to see a bit more variety when we get the inevitable sequel I do get where you're coming from with that it, it I th- honestly the, the missions where you ride up to somewhere and go let's stand stickhead are some of the most fun yeah especially later on in the game where there are missions that kind of blend together in that you'll be going off and doing something following someone on a horse or trying to track down a specific plant and if you haven't done the specific um say like camp or liberation mission in that area Mm. the mission will kind of bend and go right okay well you've not actually been here yet so deal with that and then when you're done the character will come and join you again and i i really like that because that it felt more multi-layered um so that bit i can praise what i can't praise is the amount of missions that are for a game that looks this fucking good you spend so long staring into the fucking dirt looking for footprints yeah and i'm just i I don't need to look at more dirt road i want to look at the cool trees and the mountains and the you know the statues the the temples it's so well done yeah and then you spend most of it just rolling around in the fucking dirt and i I think if they are going to do a number two and i hope they do because it's very good and i would definitely play a second one but I would like far less track people through the mud missions because good fucking God, especially later in the game, there are far too many of that. You meet a character sort of after 
sort of like the start of the second chapter. Yeah. And all but one of his nine missions are track somebody through the dirt. There's, There's one where you have a big fight in a temple. It's fucking brilliant because it's not tracking someone through the fucking dirt. There are so many master assassins who don't think to walk through the grass and will exclusively <laughs> yeah. walk through the mud path. Um, so I question their uh, expertise. Yeah, it's it looks like there's enough there. And I think because there's a nice variety, whenever given area you're in, you will come across, you know, either the bamboo cutting thing, a hot tub, the haikus, the fox dens, and there's a nice variety just kind of scattered about. There's no, like, concentrated areas of them. So mm. that's nice. And that means the, the traversal when you're not fast travelling, when you're exploring new parts of the map, there's usually something in about a 30 seconds ride of you that you can do to improve. And none of them are overly long either, the side missions, which is good. Uh, that you get a lot of um, side missions kind of naturalistically just by talking to people in the kind of Japanese strongholds, like the villages that haven't been taken over by the uh, monk. Right. Joe, the pro- a slight tangent. I Go think on. growing up in the West Midlands schooling system has ruined the word Mongols for me. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> and I, I am at great pains to try and put a, a U in there instead of the O, so I say Mongols. But mm. it seems interchangeable even in the game. Some people are calling them the Mongols. And I, I just... Mm, it's a combination of the accent. And so I, I'm trying to avoid saying the word. But Rachel did catch me the other day. riding to. I was riding about in the, in the countryside, spotted some. And went, oh no, Mongols! And then jumped off my horse instead of accelerating. Because I hadn't figured out how to do that properly. <laughs> so she just saw... She walked into the room as I went... Oh no, Mongols! Wah! And then jumps at them with a sword. She said, what game are you playing? I was like, no, 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 it's fine. They're from Mongolia, they're not. It, it's fine. So please don't think I'm trying to be, you know, take the mick or if I say it that way, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just genuinely... It was said a lot when we were growing up in, in, in school. That yeah. It, it's a derogatory term and it's hard to get out of the habit and put a, and put a U where there's meant to be an O. And you definitely can't contract it or add an oid at the end, otherwise you no. just bang out of order. Exactly. So it has to be the Mongols, even though I know that's not how you're meant to say it. The only way round I can think of... Oh, shit. The only way I can... <laughs> Sorry, I'm playing with a, a bit of metal on the desk. I probably shouldn't be doing that. You, you know, you just need something in your hand to just like... Oh, yeah, I've got know. a travel plug, so you just carry on. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird tangent. Um... So the, the only way around I can think of that is to go a little bit World War Two and ref- exclusively refer to them as the Khan. Oh, that could work. I was, yeah. I was going to go just calling them the Mongolians, but that's not as fun to shade. Oh, no, Mongolians. Ah. Um, yeah. Doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't. I'll stick with the Khans. Or just the bastards, that'll do. Um, <laughs> it's, it's even better when you get to uh, Act 3. And, yeah. Uh, Without spoiling too much, obviously, you're going to go and have to kill Kotun Khan, who's the villain. Yeah. Uh, but it just flashes up at the start of Chapter 3. It's like, Chapter 3, kill the Khan. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, that's a metal album. It's a bit... I, I kind of like his style, though, because in that opening bit when the, the, the Mongols arrive um, on, the, uh, on the beach, and you know they send forward the finest samurai, and he steps forward chucks his drink on him which apparently was petrol and just sets him on fire <laughs> and doesn't even like change his facial expression from just like mild annoyance just ugh, ugh. i like him i, I like him so much I'm, I'm kind of annoyed i am looking forward to killing him but i also kind of like his style 
Well, um, I suppose we could we could talk about the story or yeah. what as much as we've seen of it for now. So we'll we'll say mild spoilers just in case. Mild spoiler alert. Mm, very mild. <laughs> Uh, so you play as Jin Sakai, who is the last surviving member of the Sakai clan um, after the battle at Komoda Beach goes sour um, when you're getting attacked by Kotun Khan, who I believe is Genghis Khan's grandson, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, as he tries to invade Japan, starting with Tsushima Island. Um, you... Obviously, that doesn't go very well. Otherwise, you, the place wouldn't be riddled with uh, the Khan everywhere. So there's yourself and Lord Shimura, who is your uncle, uh, and obviously the head of the Shimura clan. And th- that is kind of like the main trifecta in the story. It is your relationship with your uncle and your, I'm not going to say rivalry, but your quest to stop Koton Khan. Yeah. So, so Jin, as a character... I like him, but emotion range is not a strong point until much later into the game. Right, I'm saying because at my point, he's just he's just fucking white bread. He's just so like straight down the middle. He's, he's exactly what you'd think. He plays the trope of samurai very, very well. It's just you compare him to the other because you know this is basically them heralding him as like he's joining the PlayStation family of you know leading characters, and he's by far and away the most boring at least at the point i am at the game he's just very droll most of the time there's nothing like you know he's not a charismatic stallion in the mold of an Ezio auditorio de Firenze. you know he's very straight laced but again to compare it back to sense greed that was kind of true of um uh bayak of siwa in um Assassin's creed origins but that was played with a lot of intensity and anger at what had happened to him, and that came through. Jin Sakai just kind of seems like he's very detached from everything, but I don't think that was like a deliberate choice. He just comes across as very avatarish. He'd be an ideal candidate if if Keanu Reeves was Japanese. Oh, I found the part for him. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it, he's he's not the most interesting of characters and i mean this is not a game that in any way is going for like big over-the-top personalities most of the people you meet are you know either semi-serious or very serious people with the like one or two exceptions like the 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 merchant guy you come across what's his name oh kenji Kenji. he's like the only so far anyway he's like the only quote-unquote comedy character you've come across who's got a personality can't just be described as like short and um what's a better word for that uh deliberate loyal honest mm. and humble at least he's got some he's got a bit of spice to his steak whereas yeah. everyone else including Jin Sakai, is just kind of yeah white bread there seems to be an an attempt to kind of bake that into the plot because the entire point of ghost of Shima is in becoming the ghost you going against the samurai code which obviously is supposed to be this kind of big internal push against everything Jin has grown up knowing. But that, like you say, that just comes across as a bit stale, a bit Mm. stone-faced, a bit non-emotive, at least until the back end of the story where we are allowed to properly explore that. I won't spoil it because I know you're not there, but there is a mission 
towards the back end of Act Two, where it feels like these characters come to life, and it ah, takes right. so fucking long to get there. <laughs> I think that is an issue, and I know what they're trying to say. I just because I understand the integrity of that decision in its narrative doesn't mean I think it's a good one. Right? Like, it's you, you know how like the film wankery is like you're not supposed to think this you're not supposed to think that and that's why it's good it's like right yeah. now I, I get it but i think i would have been far on board with Jin, were he this emotive early on and that have been a defining part of his character yeah of like he is the the samurai who doesn't behave like a samurai mm-hmm. that although i suppose that would have completely undone the the reason the story begins with that great defeat is because yeah. he stuck too rigidly to the code and now he's got to learn so eh i don't know the it's... guy who plays him is fine enough that's uh yeah. daisuke tsuji i believe he i don't know whether he plays the japanese voice but he certainly plays the english voice yeah. um uh, we've got eric steinberg who plays lord shimura i don't know what he else is done i normally know a lot of uh voice actor roles but i must say i don't know any of these the only one i do know is the one that's playing lady masako who's got one of the more interesting stories in the game um is being voiced by lauren tom who weirdly enough voiced amy wong in futurama that's a bit of a weird one right and now she's playing like an old wizened combat lady yeah that story is great though like her family have been slaughtered and you are literally going down a list of people who it could be and hunting them that that side story is my favourite one. Uh, it's it, real good. It is a bit strange that yeah, yeah, the people you meet along the way seem to have slightly more interesting stories than Jin's because I think obviously they have to pace it out because you know, especially the way I'm playing it, I'm not just going. Maybe if I was just going story mission, story mission, story mission, I'd be more involved with the character. And it is a good story. The point of you know, it's, it, you see it all the time. You know, it was kind of what they were saying with in a bit of the new trilogy of Star Wars, of like, look, the Jedi and the Sith had it wrong. They stuck too religiously to their beliefs. It's all wiped out the Jedi that they couldn't adapt and, you know, change with the times. I get that. It's interesting. But it has... The problem is twofold. One is it has that problem that some of the new Tomb Raider games have, where the first time you kill somebody in the first Tomb Raider game, Lara Croft is like horrified what have i done there's blood on my hands uh lady macbeth type of thing and then five minutes later she gets hold of a shotgun and all pretense of being worried about killing people goes out the window she's just blowing people's heads off no problem without blinking it has that problem where he's like oh no i'm a samurai and i have to be a samurai you're a dirty thief you know i will not change and then obviously the second you get freedom if you choose to you can do that stuff non-stop of just sneaking out of bushes and stabbing people. Um, and it doesn't... There was one good bit that I did. It happened randomly. I don't know if it happened to you. It was when I, I, I'd done a few stealth kills. I was doing a side mission. There was like a load of uh, Mongol archers on the side of this like ravine. And I was running around and stabbing them. And I stabbed one in an assassination. And the screen faded. And a video played of... Um, him talking to his uncle about you know the Japanese, the code of the samurai and all this good stuff, and it kind of showed that inner turmoil that he is conflicted about what he's doing. That doesn't happen often enough outside of the story missions to really push home that he's doing this, and we understand the reasons for doing this, but he's not. 
you know, he's not 100% okay with his decision. He is conflicted. I think if there was more of that... Now, obviously, you don't want too much of that because then that will ruin the minute-to-minute frantic gameplay loop. That, that You don't want that. But I think a bit more of that would have helped me connect. That's the most interesting thing about his character. And I just feel like I can go hours and hours and hours of gameplay without that really cropping up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it would have really paid off to do the Jedi Fallen Order thing of every time you get a power-up, you have a extended flashback sequence. Yeah. Because that really fucking worked in Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. I think it could have worked really well here. I did have a similar situation with you um, with that specific moment. Like, you've stabbed somebody from like through a window or something like that, and then you go and visit Ghost Uncle. And he's like, oh, don't fucking do shit like that. And then, and that's it. And you learn nothing new. Like, you just yep. come back to the action just feeling slightly guiltier than you did before. And even then, not enough to not do it again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not well punctuated. There is a fantastic instance of that later on in the game. And again, I won't spoil it because you're not there yet. But holy fuck. Like, they do it in one of the story missions. Um when you're in sort of the second area of the game, the lower half of the bigger island, um, and there's a, like this specific battle you go to, and Jesus Christ, the way that they unlock that ability is so fucking perfect. Those who've played it will know which bit I'm talking about because it might be my favourite moment of the entire game, um, at least until the ending, which I haven't seen, so I can't talk about Um but yeah, yeah, I get it. Thematically, I knew what they were trying to do. And I also know that that balance was really hard to strike between keeping yeah. the moment-to-moment gameplay up and making sure that our character feels like he's getting enough of a narrative through line. So some sacrifices were made on the narrative, and honestly, that's fine. Yeah. It, it would have... In, a, in an absolutely 10 out of 10 game, you would have had to have done something I can't even think of in order to make that work. So I'm not that mad. No, I, I, I get it. And it, like I said, it's all these negatives I have are minor ones. I'm still enjoying playing the game. Um, I th- There's very little about it that I actively dislike. In fact, I'd say there's nothing that I actively dislike about the game. I think everything either works really well or works to the point where I'm like, a sequel would iron this out. And I think stealth is a big one for that because, again, it, it's about the balance. It's I think it's obvious, despite the fact it's called Ghost of Shima and it's about a samurai trying to learn ninja stuff, I feel like they knew that their combat engine was the strong point. So there's a there's a heavier leaning on that, and it feels like stealth was a secondary um, concern. Now, you take, again, all Assassin's Creed's prior to Origins, stealth was very much their USP. So those games were built to be stealth games primarily, and and action games secondary which is good because they didn't really sort the combat engine out until like brotherhood so good <laughs> yeah so i th- those games were set up more for you to be able to sneak around pick your targets out i mean even the early ones where you don't have them you know because you get to syndicate and you've got guns and you've got all that stuff even the earlier ones where you did just have bow and arrow similar to the equipment you have in this game those maps were designed to be stealth friendly first and action orientated second so if you were caught or something went wrong you had a litany of ways fun ways to escape there's very few things in gaming more fun than the frantic scramble away from a group of enemies as you scramble up to rooftops desperately trying to find something to jump off into a big bale of hay 
this game lacks that. Your stealth options are... It, it feels a bit clumsy, the stealth. It's not as as refined as those games are. And I feel like if you get caught, you're, basically your only option is then just to stand and fight because escape is pretty difficult because you can't climb... Like, all of Assassin's Creed is about vertical scaling. This game doesn't go for that. Obviously, it's set in, you know, 1200 Japan. There's not big buildings to go and climb up. But it's there's only a few places where you can go vertical. For the most part, you're dealing on a flat surface. And you've either just got to bomb back to the Pampas grass or hope there's a bit in the fence you can climb through before getting into Pampas grass. And that's it. I feel like if the sequel's going to fix something that's the primary focus because their combat's good you can add some a little bit of variety to that and i feel like that'll feel like a step up it's stealth i think that really needs the biggest kick up the arse to to really make this a, a key franchise for sony going forward yeah i think if they are going to do a sequel they would do well to probably go to a more densely populated part of japan because whilst ghost of Tsushima is a beautiful fucking game and i'm glad that they chose a more rural setting to tell this story i feel like you could ramp it up improve the stealth engine and still deliver the same satisfying sword combat yeah. if they did something like i don't know ghost of osaka or ghost of kyoto something mm. that's a bit more you know you set it a couple hundred years later during the war in states period and you are you know you're i don't know i'll i'll, I'll pull some random his japanese history you are kotaro fuma like a famous ninja or you are a student of that person or the other way you are musashi miyamoto you're a swordsman you're very stuck in your ways you're a duelist and all of a sudden you know civil war has erupted you've got to change your tack something along those lines would be really fucking good mainly because this game wanted to be a sword fighting game first so why not roll with it the stealth's good it's not perfect but when you've got such a strong sword fighting engine as this game has, it seems silly to not use it in every opportune moment. Mm. And and I liked going between the two. I liked picking a few off and then doing, say, like a double execution to then reveal myself to the enemy, chuck kunais at them and dart forward and try and pick them off one by one. And that was fun, but it's not the optimum way to play the game. Weirdly, the way you would do it, which is just roll up, do a standoff, shout, let's dance and fucking go in all guns blazing, mm-hmm. is so much more fun. So they they do it need is. to address that balance, but it was a daring balance to pull off to begin with. It is. Um, right, I think that's that's all the bits I wanted to cover. Oh, um, have you... Well, first of all, I'm guessing you're playing it in English. Yes, I am, I am. And I'm guessing you're playing it in normal mode, not... Um, kurosawa mode no I'm, i've gone for i've gone for normal uh, I, I intend i mean now knowing how long the fucking game is i'm not sure i will but my intention was to go back and play in kurosawa mode with japanese voices for a second yep. playthrough because it's it's so well done like they've done the film graining and the the kind of the audio warping really well i've watched videos of people playing it in that mode online and it's really good. I think the thing that slightly lets that down is that the English voice cast is considered to be the main cast. So if right. you choose a Japanese voice option, the character models will not sync up to that. They How... will still be mouthing English. Mm-hmm. How beautifully ironic is that? That 
old samurai movies used to be made fun of because the English dialogue didn't match up to the Japanese actors' lips. And uh, this time around, the Japanese <laughs> language won't mix up to the English people's lips. <laughs> there is something wonderfully ironic about that. Um, see, I it would depend on it. I am enjoying the game. And but I think that there's other things coming out soon that I would like to play. It depends if I'm if I'm very close to the platinum and all it would require is a quick second playthrough, quick in open open marks. I will probably play it in Kawashima mode. There isn't a new game plus though, which is a bit weird. You don't get, apparently you finish the game and you don't get a new game plus. You have to start from scratch again. Yeah, they just chuck you back into the world and go, hey, there might be some things you haven't done yet. Mop them all up, boy, and that's it. Fair enough. I haven't actually looked at the trophy guide yet because they tend to have a few spoilers, but I I'm enjoying it. Hopefully, it is something I don't have to start a new game of, and hopefully, I can just hopefully you can just switch it in the settings to go to um, Kurosawa mode. That'd be quite cool. I hadn't even thought about looking at that. I've, I've been too busy like trying to manage all my upgrades and swapping armor a lot. I, I like doing that. I like going with different looks for different missions. Um, See, oh, yeah, sorry, I've, carry on. I've gone samurai for the most part. The, which I've now got white because I'm a ghost um, and the traveller's cloak I tend to wear just when I'm plodding around trying to find stuff I haven't really used the other time I haven't used the uh, the archery the legendary archery armour I haven't really touched it because archery I'm just not really unless there's bears I'm not really using the archery all that much because um, I'm not fighting a bear um, no. <laughs> and what's the oh I've got the, the, the rolling outfit which is which was pretty cool until something spoilery happens that makes it less cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really want to talk about that because it was uh, it was something I didn't see coming. But uh, let's just say that the rolling armor is really good if you need to do stealth, and then then you feel dirty for wearing it, and it's just you I do. Don't, I don't I don't like doing it. The the weird thing is is that the armor that's on the box the front box of the game the the armor of the ghost isn't something you get until the very very ending of Act Two and the start of Act Three. Mm. It, yeah, it's I, a bit weird that it's that far into the game. A little bit, but at least then you I feel like you you feel like you've earned it at that point. You know what I mean? You, you you've jumped through all the hoops. You finally got there. It's it's time to put that on and then go and take on the final third. I mean, I guess so. To me, it was always because there's that the level up mechanic is is called your legend, and instead of it being reached, you are now level two. It's like you are now the demon blade or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people t- refer to you as the ghost more and more as that goes up. I felt like, well, the ghost has found his identity by the time I've gotten the fucking armor. It's mm. this is you know this isn't an, an Iron Man Mark Three situation. This is like. This is like I finally get to wear the, the the Iron Man armor, but it's Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah. Okay. Good point. That's a good point. Oh, sorry. Real quick before we we kind of move on to spoilers, the every once in a while you'll get the epic duel bit. Those are fun. Oh, they're good. They're so good. They're really good. They they remind me of the Valkyrie fights in uh, in God of War, um, <laughs> which I, I think I I prefer just because the Valkyries tend to swap things up a little bit. These all tend to just be basically the same fight. You just block, block, parry, attack, attack, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Um, there's a bit more variety in the God of War versions of these, but the camera work. Um, there's the visual settings of all of them. It, it never happens in just some like boring ass field. There's always something, you know, 
magical going on around you whilst you do these fights. And they feel appropriately challenging, or at least to the point I've got in the game. They felt like they're doable, but I'm not just going to, you know, whitewash people. No, you definitely can't muller anybody. You need to go in with some skill, which is really good. But whilst we've got both the words difficulty and Valkyrie in our mouths, um, mm. I, I do think the game is quite fair with its challenge. Yeah. Um, and it does incentivize you to get better at it. All that being said, I do think the parry system in this game needs work because it's it's a bit spongy it's mm. a bit you've got to it's not as simple as the just the second before the blades clash tap and that's a parry the the thing needs to be mid swing and you then need to hold it down and then it will do a perfect parry and that takes a lot of getting used to especially with how snappy the parrying is in games like dark souls and jedi fallen order where yeah. i am used to that kind of like trigger response like a bam quickly got it because fallen order especially you would be fucking mullered if you didn't learn how to parry. And and Ghost of Shima isn't that. It's not that punishing. But I, I do think that it could have been a bit better. It gets a lot easier when you get charms later on in the game that increase the likelihood of perfect parries or increase the duration in which you can pull them off. Right. And then you can be a little bit snappier and you get to how I would have wanted to have played the game. But I was halfway through Act 2 before I even got that charm. So, you know, ah. not great. Not ideal, no. Um, okay, I think in closing, before we go and talk a bit of spoilers, um, well, do, do, in fact, do you need to talk about spoilers? Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about one early game spoiler. Okay. Because I can't fine. talk about anything in Act 2 to you, really, but I can talk about the one that I was like, oh, fuck, no, 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 don't do this. And cool. uh, I found myself surprisingly invested. Good. Um, so I've included, I think, I, I say this more often than I should, but... To me, this is Assassin's Creed 1. Of like, this is a great template. I feel the sequel's going to... I feel the sequel's going to better it and, and really launch something special with that one. I think all the component parts are here, and most of them are working pretty well. Um, like I said, the sword combat, brilliant. Um, the visual setting, the visual style, some of the navigation tools and the visual um, cues they've taken fantastic um i like the rpg mechanics um a lot mission variety is a little bit spotty mentioned the issues i have with stealth and and some of the characters being a little at least at this point in the story being a little wooden and a bit uh, a bit dry i think those are all small things that you can easily iron out and really smash it out of the park with number two and I, it sold pretty well so i presume number two is will be coming at some point in the next five to six years we'll get that and i think i i, I look forward to it. i do genuinely think this is just this is showing the working out and i think number two will be the answer yeah i think you're right i i'm definitely higher on this game than you are and i really really enjoyed myself but it does tickle a very specific itch i have i wanted a cool samurai game i wanted a cool ninja game i wanted a period japanese game that wasn't samurai warriors i wanted something that was more deep and involving and had an interesting story to tell and that certainly is this game but there are just little things that hold it back from being perfection little things that aren't in games like spider-man where every single thing is polished and precise and perfect and it isn't this game i think it's more than 
an Assassin's Creed one of the situation. I think this is a two to a potential sequels brotherhood in that I really fucking like this, but I can still see and accept the flaws that are there. But I know that now that this is something that people are really enjoying, this become one of the fastest selling uh, PS4 exclusives. I think it overtook, I think it actually overtook last of us, which is incredible. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's another story behind The Last of Us, isn't there? So yeah, I, th- I think the people who are plugged into that maybe weren't supporting that game out of those reasons. I know that I count myself amongst those people. Uh, but, but Ghost of Tsushima now has reached a wider audience. It's performed really well. It's reviewing really well. I hope for a sequel. I, I would like to see more Infamous from Sucker Punch or another new idea because they're very fucking good at them. But I want more of this. Like this has really satiated an appetite for exactly this kind of game that the Assassin's Creed series wouldn't give us. So I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy. Lovely. Spoiler alert. Well, Ryuzo can fuck off. Oh, the prick. Oh, my God. Like They were going down that I should have seen it coming. The signs were all there about the straw hats becoming fucking traitors. Ah, oh, fuck Ryuzo. <laughs> I was I went so in... disappointed. I'd went out and bought a new big hat for the occasion. I was like, no, I'm going to be... Whenever I ride with these people, I'm going to look like these people. Not with their shitty hat. I want a good hat. And I now can't put that hat back on. No, <laughs> it's forever the mark of a traitor. That shitty little bastard. You know, after all we'd been through, after I saved his ass so many times, he goes and sells us out to the Mongols. That's just not... Uh... That's just not cool. I, everyone else is is pretty chill with you, and and they they're sticking by you, even though they seem to have a lot of problems with the way you're going about things. But that prick. <laughs> yeah. Also, it doesn't it doesn't help that the more that went on, and like he becomes more involved in the the bad shit happening. That I just I start to pick at things like fuck you, Ryuzo, and your unwashed, unkempt hair. Fuck you, Ryuzo, and your cleft, weird lower lip cleft palate bullshit. Like, he's a weird-looking guy. I should have known he was a wrong'un, but, uh... Jesus. <laughs> Fuck you and Fuck. your shitty, falling-apart hat. How dare you? I am a little bit disappointed. I was like, if this was in some way done in, like, com- like um, uh, collaboration with, like, Namco, I'm like, I guarantee you they would have found a way to put one of Yoshimitsu's armors in here, and that would have been... If I can... If, I-, I would give this game a 10 out of 10 if it would let me run around as... Tekken three Yoshimitsu. <laughs> I'd be, be cool. so with the with the with the green sword. I'd oh, oh. oh I'd be happy. Yeah, the, I think weapon variety is another problem as well. Because not to spoil anything, but you don't really get that many weapons. You, you're, I know what they were doing, and ultimately, actually, I haven't actually changed the look of the Sakai sword. Uh, I like it's got the Sakai emblem on it. I'm not changing it. I'm a fucking Saramara. Uh, samurai. Yes, samurai. Um, but have you done the mission where you go and get the longbow? Uh, I that was the last thing I did last night. That's fucking oh, cool. That's a cool mission. Is that the one where you're chasing after all the blue flowers and the guy is kind of pinging fire at you? Uh, fire arrows at you, saying "fuck off." Um, <laughs> all words to that effect. I, I think it was that one. That one might have been. Um, Tadayori's armor, I think. No, that's the one where you go and fight by his grave, isn't it? You duel that woman. 
Yeah, yeah. No, this is the one that ends with a fight against a Tengu, and there's, like, birds flying around you. Yeah, that's fucking cool. That, that was a pretty cool mental. I feel bad because I was kind of falling asleep by the time I got ready to playing that mission. I thought, oh, I'll just do this one. It should be relatively quick. It took me 20 minutes. I was... <laughs> I, I must have dozed off at one point and just held the, like, the, the controller forward whilst I was running through those blue flowers. Because there were bits that I think I skipped... But, uh, yeah, the fight itself, I, I perked up for that. That was pretty good. Yeah, the the duels generally... like The duel against Ryuzo actually took me a few attempts as well, because that bastard, the second he sheathes his sword, I'm like, okay, I know you're going to do this unblockable bullshit, and it doesn't matter what direction I fucking roll in, you're going to hit me. So just get it over with. Yeah, yeah, I had the exact same problem with me. He killed me. I think he only killed me once, but I, I wasn't happy about it. And then he just runs away like a coward. Yeah, fuck Ryuzo. Uh, fuck him and the horsey riding on and the hat. Let's not forget about the shitty hat as well. It's fucking made of straw. How hard can it be to get a new one, Ryuzo? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like I I feel like I'm on the cusp of an, of of really getting into the meat of the game because I I haven't locked the second island there, but I then doubled back because I had a few uh, massacre side missions still to do, and I kind of want to unfog most of the map. Um. Which is a little... I, I'm riding around in the Traveller's um, outfit, and it still feels a bit um, restrictive. It could do with something like the uh, Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild system, where if you can get up high enough, and you know, there are bits where it lets you observe things from a high point. If that was more incorporated into the free play mode, where you could stand on like a high bit and kind of scope out, oh, there's... There's a bamboo cutting thing over there. There's a hot spring over there, etc. I think that'd be a bit easier because it feels, it feels like I'm gonna have to do a lot of riding around to unfog the map. And I thought maybe if you get to a town and free like major settlements from the from Mongol control, that would unclear the map for you. And that only happens a little bit when you do that. So I feel like there's going to be a platinum for unfogging all the island. I'm already not looking forward to that. It's actually not going to be as bad as you think. All um, oh, right. Whilst the free in a settlement does give you a little bit of a footprint around a mm. town, um, clearing out all of the strongholds in one part of the island will unfog the entire thing. Oh. So I did, I think there's 24 settlements to uncover on the bottom island, like the smaller yeah. one of the two which is where chapter one takes place. And once you've done all 24, the entire thing unfogs in one go. So that makes it uh... a lot fucking easier, which is nice. Right, I'm looking forward to doing that later. That's good. Which means it also uncovers all of the question marks as well, so you can go and clean up everything. Oh, mama. Okay, that's good, because I, I want to see some more Jin Sakai ass. <laughs> yeah, there was a gratuitous amount of Jin Sakai's ass in this. I did have to like oh Rachel, there's something in this game for you. <laughs> a bit of a bit of blue for the women. There you go. Have a crack. Have a crack on that. Oh <laughs> God. Oh, that's not great. It's not great. It, he's he's it got quite a but... flat ass, all things considered. I, I, you know, he's not a he's not a voluptuous boy. Is he? He's a bit. Uh, <laughs> he's he's got the arse I expected him to have. Straight laced. <laughs> Very right down the middle. His arse is. You know where you stand with Jin Sakai. <laughs> like, if I wanted any of the PlayStation mascots to do my tax return, it would be Jin Sakai. He'd do a very good job. <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily, he wouldn't be top of the list to go for a drink with, I don't think. No, he'd be very diligent. He'd be very um, 
he'd be very too too cold so to speak oh, that's a very good question who would be top of the list for the drink you wouldn't be kratos because he's got to be an angry drunk right he's an angry everything so yeah it's not gonna it's be got fun. it's got to be nathan drake right i guess it has i guess he it seems, would be he seems like a pretty chill dude. He seems like he like Joel from The Last of Us. No, he'd be all sad and Ellie too. Uh, can't think of anybody of any other mascots. Oh, um, uh, Aloy. Maybe she seems like a fun person to be around. Aloy might be good, and she's just so blown over by everything she finds. If she was drinking in a bar in Wensby, she'd probably find it quite fascinating. So. <laughs> yeah. And I'm she not easily doesn't... impressed. Yeah, exactly. Wow, the blue car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a Simpsons quote for everything. For everything. I'm still, so just real quick tangent, I'm playing uh, Lego Harry Potter at the minute, and I just keep going back to the fact, like, why haven't they done the Simpsons one yet? Surely to God it's the most straightforward idea to have, right? I mean, the Simpsons it... haven't had a game out in fucking yonks, have they? I know, but I, I still feel like the lego game it's one of the few games lego games are based on you need a franchise that has lots of memorable characters that people want to play as so star wars no brainer dc and marvel no brainer harry potter was a no brainer um it's then you get to the lesser extents like parts of the caribbean there's a few people i probably want to play as in that one i'm just looking at my shelf um <laughs> lego lego incredibles if they didn't lego pixar i think that might have been better but eh. i like lego jurassic world but I don't know if that really has the widespread uh, mass appeal that they were hoping for. The Simpsons. I want to play as so many Simpsons characters. And there is Simpsons Lego, so there's precedent for this. It was very expensive, so I didn't buy it, but there is precedence for this. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Aren't we meant to be getting like a few game announcements soon? I feel like there's a Warner Brothers... Speaking of Harry Potter, I feel like there's a Warner Brothers game studio showcase coming soon. Well, if there is, you can expect that um, that Wizarding World game to be unveiled. That one that's like, it's not the Marauders, but it's like that kind of time frame. Yeah, uh, it's... So that would be... If I, I just want to know what it is. Like We saw that leaked footage of like a guy walking through a cave with using his wand as a torch. And I'm like, I just want to know what this is, because people have described it as an action game, they described it as an RPG, they described it as an open world game. I'm like, well, what is it? What is this Exactly. Game? Is it just Bully at Hogwarts? Because that's what people want. That would be good. I'd be I okay said with to, that. Because uh, apparently the, the, the thing is, you're going to be a... You're not going to be a first year. I think said you're, you start as a fourth year, and... That means, you know, you have got the basic spells. You don't have to learn everything from scratch, which I think is a good idea. Like, maybe fourth is a bit too late, because then you only get to have three games. Um, wait, hang on, there's seven years of Hogwarts. One, two, three, four, five, four games, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, you'd come in at a somewhat more advanced stage than a beginner, so you can have Expelliarmus, Wingard, and Leviosa, and then you can just learn the bigger ones. But that's just what I want. Give me... I mean, I want the Marauders game. That's not what's happening. It is like a create-your-own-person, pick whichever house you want to go into. Um, which apparently will that have... works. You don't pick houses. Yeah. Well, okay, that, but I mean, you'll be able to pick your house you want to go in. Cause, uh, <laughs> you stick the sawing hat on and he's like, oh, Hufflepuff. You're like, actually, oh, no, I paid 40 quid for this. I'm not being in Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh, but you didn't get the Ravenclaw DLC, did you? Oh, no, sorry. Because um, I, like, I said to Rachel, I was like, we were playing Lego Harry Potter and I was like, to this day, this is the best video game interpretation of Hogwarts. And it's a Lego game. 
And she was like, really? I was like, no, the Harry Potter game lets you just run round all of Hogwarts. So, oh, yeah. Oh, the PS1 one does. <laughs> I know, but you don't want to, do you? <laughs> no, because then you find Hagrid and he's a polygonal nightmare. Oh, isn't he? Um, <laughs> right, I've had a quick look. It is apparently August 22nd. There is a, um, a DC Fandom event where WB Games will be providing new announcements. So that's more to do with... Um, Court of Elves game, the Suicide Squad game that's apparently coming. Because um, I think, yeah, not, that's what Rockstar's next game is apparently going to be. Is a Suicide Squad game? That's fucking stupid. I, I trust Rocksteady though. They've got a very good, they've got a very Rocksteady. Uh, if it's just like Rocksteady remaking Mercenaries, but they've made it the Suicide Squad, I'd be okay with that. See, that should be fine. And then Court of Elves is going to be uh, WB Montreal. But that doesn't mean Harry Potter stuff's coming, which is annoying because that game is, that game got, like, that freak footage you're on about was the start of last year and still nothing. I don't know what they're waiting for, unless they're lining it up for, like, one of the PS5 or Xbox Series X reveals. I mean, that... I mean maybe, because they sure as shit aren't waiting for another movie release, are they? Because Fantastic Beasts is dead. I mean, they're still obliged to bring out three more, but yeah, no one cares. Um, especially since Vol- uh, um, Grindelwald is currently going through the court system at the moment, so he's probably not in a rush to put some makeup on and, and be weird. Probably not. Um, and be weird gay wizard Hitler. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that should be coming at some point. I mean, my real worry is somehow Microsoft have got it as an exclusive, and I have to buy a Series X at that point because. Uh, my fiance will not allow me to live in that world where she doesn't get to play the Harry Potter game. That is true. If, also, if congratulations, us... Darren. Thank you. That's happened. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yesterday, not yesterday, Friday. Sorry, so two days ago. Uh. Yeah, I got engaged. So that's pretty neat, isn't it? Someone listened. Well, I was going to say someone listened to these podcasts and decided, yep, that's the one I want. But let's be real. That's the reason she said yes, because she doesn't listen to these podcasts. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't know the real me. So the next few years are going to be quite the eye-opener for that poor, poor girl. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone who said congratulations. It's very nice. If, you, if you're listening, if this is news to you, you can still come wish me good luck over on... Uh, well, wish her good luck more than anything. Yeah. Uh, over on Facebook. But yeah, that was that was quite nice. And uh, well, that's a nice way to wrap up this episode, I think. It is, yeah. Well, Unless someone else wants to talk about something. Well, uh, we'll talk about that in due time, I think. Oh, there's some juicy stuff happening, people. I mean, it won't be happening next week. Next week is a pre-recorded episode because, unfortunately, we can't make the recording. uh, But we will speak to you uh, with some news in two weeks' time. But until then, next week, we've got the pitch episode lined up for the Disney live-action remake. And in the meantime, you can go and find me. On Twitter and Instagram and at that Mike Owen. You can go and find Darren on Twitter and Instagram and at the Guttridge. You can go and find the site on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook under the username FowlyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and other places you can get your RSS feeds under the username FowlyNT or FowlyNT Podcasts depending on your service provider. And that is about it for this episode of 8-Bit Sweet. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you in two weeks' time with some brand new stuff, and we will see you next week with a new Pitch Intense episode. Bye, everybody! Bye!